1: Welcome everyone to Poised for Exit, the podcast show for business owners. In today's episode, we will be interviewing a family office and wealth management advisor on her work with family owned businesses. But first let's hear from our show sponsor, Sunbelt Business Advisors.
0: You wouldn't go deep sea fishing without a guide or skydive without an instructor. So don't sell your business without a broker. Now is a great time to sell a business. Many are selling at a premium. Contact a business broker at SunbeltMinnesota.com or call Sunbelt Business Advisors at 612-455-0880 and get a free, confidential business valuation so you'll know what your business might be worth. Because selling your business is the biggest financial decision you may ever make. There is a record number of buyers looking for businesses right now. It is a seller's market. You could list, sell, and get more for your business now and start the next successful chapter of your life. Call 612-455-0880 today or visit SunbeltMinnesota.com, Minnesota's largest seller of companies. 612-455-0880, SunbeltMinnesota.com.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, we are here today with Nike Anani, founder of African Family Firms, a consultant and an author of a brand new book called Lifetime to Legacy. We're so excited to have her on the show. Nike, welcome to Poised for Exit.
2: Oh, thank you so much, Julie. It's awesome to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: Thanks for joining us. I know you're a busy gal. You've got a, a book out there now and all kinds of people are contacting you to speak. and plus you have all these other things that you're involved in. And so I'm excited to dive into all of that. I like to start by just asking my guests to share how you got to where you are today and what compelled you to spend time in this space.
2: Yeah, fantastic question. Um, I say that my journey into this space was very much influenced by my personal life journey. It wasn't an opportunistic evaluation of, um, you know, there's a gap in the market to serve family businesses, but really Mm -hmm. the insider lens of the experiences I went through. So... My parents started off our first business the year I was born in Nigeria. So entrepreneurship has always been in my life, my whole life. But as you can probably hear at age nine, I, myself, my mom and my brothers, we moved to the UK. So I was in the UK for 16 years and started my career in tax planning in Deloitte. And I really loved Deloitte, the culture, my colleagues and the learning, but I just found the work just uninspiring for me. And that led me on a journey um, to go back to Nigeria to just explore who I was. And the idea was to get exposed to the family enterprise. Um, by this point, we had three operating businesses in construction, in real estate and in infrastructure consultancy. And also my dad had been investing in a different sector. So I thought maybe it's just an industry fit. And I'll go back to Nigeria, figure out what industry I love, and then come back to the UK and get my MBA and figure out my career path. And I ended up staying in Nigeria. So it started off as three months and became 10 years stint. <laughs> I set up a family office um, to spearhead really the planning, strategic business planning, succession planning, legacy planning, as well as estate planning, tax planning, um, all the planning, planning, planning. And also got very involved in the operating businesses, but I just found that operating and seeking to build a legacy enterprise in the African continent, there just were not any resources to support one in doing so. And I ended up training with Family Firm Institute, Purposeful Planning Institute here in the States, and use those tools to navigate building navigate my, um, helping my family through generational transition. And it was then that I realized that, you know what, I'm super passionate about family enterprises, not just about working with my family, but also impacting others. Cause I found that um, so many, particularly successors, next geners just felt so alone, were so overlooked and had to deal with like the psychology of wealth and like, you know, the dark side of wealth and how it can be so crippling and make one feel like one's robbed of agency and autonomy. Um, But I saw a different, I saw them quite differently. I saw them as agents for change both within their enterprises and out in the world. And I just became super passionate about working with folks like that. And so I started, this was four years ago, working alongside successors, coaching and guiding them in the areas of ownership, leadership and siblings partnerships. <laughs> Those are all ips. Um, yeah. <laughs> that. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then realized that not only did families need assistance one-on-one, but they also need a community um, to come together. And that was the premise behind African family Firms, which. Myself and a friend of mine co founded. And it's a nonprofit membership organization across the African continent and the diaspora. And really, we just promote generational wealth and generational legacies, providing community, educational tools, research for partner organizations, and advocacy. And so that's how I got into this space. Um, I, like you mentioned, my book just came out last week. Um, I feel like I just had another baby. So my third baby's come out into the world and it's been so exhilarating and exciting sharing the message out there based on my inside experience as well as serving families, what I've learned and what I think are the critical success success factors in navigating taking your enterprise from lifetime to legacy.
1: Yeah, for, for sure. Fantastic. I plan to order that. I know what it's like to launch a book. It's so hard, right? You're, you're reading through it and editing and editing and editing and editing. And eventually you just got to give it a kiss and send it out the door, right?
2: Yep. Yep. Yeah. And there's a writing piece and then there's a marketing piece as well. So it's a lot of, it is a lot of work. Yeah. It
1: is. Yeah. Well, congratulations. I'm happy to hear that. How much of your time does that occupy? I just find that very intriguing.
2: So it really depends on the season, but I would say just typically up to 30% of my time.
1: Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And and so, are you drawing members for your organization from all over the world? I would imagine you are.
2: We are um, typically of African descent. Um, so those in the diaspora, like here in the states, or also like in the UK or in um, Europe and things, uh, but also lots of families on the continent. Yeah we are
1: very interesting so then with your experience obviously you spent a lot of your adult years in Nigeria working in your own family business working with other family businesses what is it that Africa can teach family enterprise
2: Mm, great question Um, I think there's the first thing I would say is resilience and agility Mm -hmm. so Africa has been a continent that has undergone a lot of volatility politically and economically and I think collectively as a globe we all had this moment in 2020 and it's still ongoing with COVID-19 and it was this crisis right and yes it was horrible for everyone um, health-wise, economically, business-wise but These are the types of crises that African families go through probably every quarter, from changing exchange rates, rapid changes in policies, tough business environment, um, difficulty accessing capital and all this can sound very negative and it is quite tough but I think there's a flip side to that in that it makes and forces business owners to be constantly thinking about how to be resilient and it makes them also infuse this resiliency into their strategic business planning and there was actually a study done by I don't know if you're familiar with Landsberg and Gersick Associates they did a study on um, family businesses in emerging market environments called extremophiles. And they identified that a lot of these families infuse this resilience into their business planning and actually have an advantage over families in more kind of stable economic environments. So I think the lesson is really obviously in the West and the U S not, we're not facing the same level of volatility, the lesson is how can we constantly kind of anticipate change potential change and be one step ahead of the game Mm -hmm. that
1: That is awesome and I can attest personally to that kind of philosophy because it has worked for me in my my life I think that the more that you have been through the more you're not only able to empathize but like you said anticipate what might be coming not that you're always gloom and doom, because that's not the point, right? Mm. The point is, is that you're smart enough to know that when you're riding a really cool wave, it's not going to last forever. Just, just exactly. like anything, right? Just like any market, just like any kind of market conditions any in industry. And um, I'm going to have to look that up. That is super interesting. So when we talk about your client work, what does your ideal client or your typical client look like?
2: My typical client is of African descent, living in the diaspora, and there's a second generation in their family, and really thinking through how can I influence my family and wider stakeholders to take this business from lifetime to legacy. So... I'll tell a story about one of my very first clients. She was chief operating officer of her family enterprise based in Kenya. She was living in um, Philadelphia, so co-located. So she would go to Kenya for six months in the year and then come out to the States for six months in the year. And her dad had just um, retired from the family business and they had appointed a non-family executive, a CEO to lead the business Mm -hmm. and she was really grappling with navigating the switch in culture, business culture, moving it from informal to institutional because under dad a lot of idea um, decisions were made from ideas in his head and his heart and he didn't really need to consult, right? He just told everyone what to do and they just all executed and now it was very different, this non-family CEO that had a corporate background and had worked in, you know, listed companies all his career. And she had to collaborate with him in building, you know, processes, procedures and standard operating procedures and really thinking through like metrics as well, like key performance indicators for the wider business. And then how do you galvanize and influence and motivate other um, folks within the organization to rally towards this common goal. So a lot of like vision setting and yes. um, measurement and things like that, but also working with her personally in navigating change that she was going through within the family, like, helping dad through retiring out and dad would often still hover over the business, like coming to work with his suit and like, well, well dad, you you've left. You're no longer CEO. What are you doing? here? <laughs> and helping him navigate the next phase. What's next um, within the family, helping her also navigate, starting to get her her sisters and her brothers involved in the enterprise and strategic planning for the family enterprise starting to have those conversations where are we heading as a family what is this for who are we what are our views on in-laws you know all the all the things that really take deliberate considered thought and conversation but quite often in our families we we're not necessarily conditioned to have these conversations on the fly These are not conversations you just happen to have on a Friday night. You have to create a space in your head, in your heart, in your calendar um, to really think through what do we want as a family? So I helped her navigate all of that. And so I would say she's my typical client.
1: Wow, what a story. That's a fantastic story. So digging a little bit deeper there, what industry and like what company size would you say typically?
2: Industry, I'm industry agnostic because my skill set and the value I bring to the table is not really Dependent on the business per se, it's really about relational enhancing relational connectivity within the family to bring about greatest value on the on the business. So, um, but I've served clients across the board: construction, real estate, um, technology, agriculture, pharmaceuticals, oil and gas. So, industries irrelevant. But in terms of like enterprise size or size of assets, um, um, families that are valued from fifty million plus. -hmm. Those are the families that so families that are also thinking another conversation I had with this past client was okay, how can we start to create an orderly structure to manage this focal point to manage family business and family wealth matters going forward? And so we started having conversations on do we need a family office? Yes, we do. What does that look like? Mm -hmm. Should that be set up by the family and managed by the family? Should that be completely outsourced? Should that be a mixture of the two or do we just need to find a really good investment manager, like a multifamily office kind of situation? So yeah, those are typically the kind of issues that I help my clients with.
1: Definitely. Family office is very important. I noticed that you um, advise in that area too. And I think that really rounds it out very well. And so as far as your book is concerned, are you getting some speaking engagements lined up? And traveling I, I bet you are.
2: I am, I am. Um, so trying to like, you know, manage my calendar and my life as well, but I'm excited to get out there. I haven't spoken in person since pre pandemic. So it's nice to be able to meet people in a room and look them in the eye and walk up and down a stage and shake their hands and get to learn about their stories afterwards. So I'm excited.
1: That would be very exciting. And, and you're based in Austin, Texas, is that right?
2: I am. So we moved myself, my husband, and our two kiddos. We moved last summer to Austin, Texas. So yeah.
1: So how do you like it in Austin?
2: I love it. Absolutely yeah. love it. It's, it's a, a fun cracking, city. Fun and the people are just so welcoming and so lovely. And yeah, it's cool.
1: It's a great music town. My son used to live there. Yeah? Yeah.
2: Awesome. yeah. Lots of
1: music there. Well, how exciting. Okay, so let's talk about some advice that maybe you could dispense for our listeners. Or our listeners are made up of a combination of business owners and then the advisors who work with them. And so we can always learn from people like you who, you know, obviously have spent a lot of time in your industry. So if mm-hmm. uh, for those who are listening what would you say?
2: I would really say that family enterprises comprise of so many different stakeholders with mm-hmm. you know, on the surface of it the family should be this one homogeneous unit, but it's really not. There's huge differences between the first generation if you're a first generation business owner and your children or your grandchildren Mm -hmm. have different perspectives priorities preferences and personalities and not only minding like generational differences but also they may be navigating different life stages and I just always say it's really important for us to gain deep empathy for one another. So if you're a business owner and you're thinking through how can I start to include the next generation in the planning, um, gain deep empathy for the next generation. Um, there, you may not have had to navigate the psychology of this wealth, right? Um, but it's typically quite I've been through it and I know it, right? Um, it's quite intimidating to grow up as a second generation. Yes, you've got a lot of you're, a lot of privilege, so to speak. And I don't mean that in a negative connotation, but you've, you've grown up in wealth, but it also does put a lot of pressure on you with stewardship. So just trying to understand the perspective, the priority, the preferences and the personalities of your family members. And I always recommend empathy mapping. And I talk about this in the book. So try to map out and try to understand what is it that your family members or different stakeholders are seeing, thinking, feeling, hearing, trying to really dive deep into their aspirations, their visions with respect to themselves and the family enterprise, also their fears and their worries. And so that we are kind of really understanding each other and starting to communicate with each other rather than just speaking at each other. I, I think that's really foundational. And so in the book, I I talk a little bit about empathy mapping, how you can put an empathy map together and start to, then what does that then mean for communication within the family and family enterprise planning?
1: Having that perspective on how people are feeling, you know, what kind of listening filters they might have, why they maybe behave the way they do or make decisions the way they do or don't. Super important. I love that empathy mapping. That's awesome. Thank you. Well, great. So uh, we've reached the end of our show, and I sure appreciate having you with us today, for our listeners. Thanks for joining us. Please review and subscribe. Follow us at poisedforexit.com and all the major platforms. We do appreciate your subscriptions. Join us again next time.